listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and today we're talking to, from Wishbone Ass, Ash, <laughs> wow, I misspoke bad there, Wishbone <laughs> Ash, Mr. Andy Powell. How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, traveling uh, the length and breadth of California right now. We're heading up to, uh, up north anyway, Oregon. Oh, wow. I just saw you in uh, San Juan Cabestrano not too long ago, still in California. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's the coach house there. Yeah. Lovely place. Oh, yeah. That was incredible. Um, We're here today. I want to talk about your new album, Coat of Arms. This is your first album since 2014's Blue Horizon. What were your thoughts going into this one versus Blue Horizon? It's been six years. Well, the thoughts were, uh, we, we weren't, we were busy in that six years. We were obviously touring, but we, uh, I put out a box set, a uh, retrospective, uh, over the first 30 years of the band. The band's been together 50 years. So that took, uh, that was a three-year project. There's been various uh, compilations and live albums from the 70s, actually, which took a lot of work, and those all came out. I wrote a book. So oh, it had been wow. anything but um, quiet, you know. But uh, and then I was thinking about doing a solo album, so I started to prepare the music, um, some of which I presented to the band for Blue Horizon, a couple of things, but I collected a few more ideas. Then, of course, it dawned on me, me that we were at 50 years. We, we were at this point where the whole year of touring was going to be celebrating the 50-year anniversary. So I thought, we, we, I better shelve that project and, and why don't we do an album? So we set about looking for a record company and we were really fortunate to get a really good independent label that's been um, just doing great work with, with the album that we produced uh, last summer. So, you know, it, it all kind of worked out. It was a timely thing. And we have the, now we have an album for the 50th um, anniversary. So it's, it's quite nice. It is, and I have to say, it's a beautiful package. Like Steam Hammer really did a good job, like laying this all out and putting this all together. So I think it turned out great. Um, this was also the first yeah, album. I mean, oh, so, go ahead. Sorry, I mean, you know, yeah, the, the, the package is really classy. I mean, sometimes you have to fight with labels to get them to do a nice package. You know, like that people will cherish and enjoy, but they just did it without even asking. So that was really great. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That coat of arms is perfect. That's just amazing. Um, this is also the first album with Mark Abrams. Uh, how did how was that? Like, did that have a different effect on the writing process this time? Was it fun working with someone new? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, been in the band for two or three years playing live, so we we knew each other in that live context. So we hadn't actually gotten down and composed things together, and uh, you know, I didn't. I, I really had no idea how we in the studio I don't I don't know if he did really I, I, we didn't know how we'd be able to work together but um, it, it, you know we both went into it with the right attitude and uh, it was great right from the get-go you know so um, quite fortunate you never really know you know if you can well some people are open to some people to get nervous with that you know you've got to you got to you got to be open-minded and um, so he is open-minded, and, and the process went really smoothly. You know. Nice. That's great to hear. Uh, like you said, also, this is a good way to celebrate 50 years of Wishbone Ash. And I'm also sure this also has created some reflection, you know, 
you know, when you reflect on making this record versus making the first one, you know, what do you think has changed the most for you over the years? Well, I think, in a way, the wheels come full circle because we're making records rather like we did back in the day. Perhaps we're, you know, we're recording the band playing live in the studio. Uh, we, we do overdub, uh, which we didn't do much of back in the day at all. First couple of albums, not hardly any overdubs. Um, so that, you know, but, but then, of course, we went in from 8-track to 16-track, 24-track, and then digital, and, you know, we, we started to take a long time over albums. You know, we might be recording basic tracks for six weeks, um, writing as we were going along. Uh, so now, I think a lot of bands, rock bands in particular, rock music has to capture it as it goes down. So we, we played the material live in the studio, and then... I mean, obviously the vocals were done. They were overdubbed. They weren't. We didn't put the vocals down at the same time as the music. Um, but yeah, it's uh, quite a simple process. You know, you want it to be as honest as possible, and uh, you want to be able to specifically play the songs or a good portion of them on stage, which we can do. You know, um, so they're, they're constructed in such a way that it's quite easy to transfer them to the stage and to be able to play them live which is no mean feat with the amount of guitar sounds that we get <laughs> and, and all of that, you know. I mean, for, you know, usually with guitar bands, they have one sound, one approach, and you get that for an entire set. You know, we, we, we're, we're getting quite a lot of different textures on stage. So, you know, we found that the material that we've written for the album, I think quite a lot of it could be transferred to stage quite effortlessly, really. And that's one of my favorite things, actually, about Wishbone Ash as a band. You guys always kind of had that, you know, like you said, different guitar sounds at different times. It was never just the same throughout. Was that a conscious decision you made early on, or did that just kind of happen? Well, that's really the what, that's the ethos that lies behind the twin lead guitar concept, because with two lead guitars, you can both play Hell for Leather and fight each other all the time, or you can, you can uh, back the other guitar player up and, he, and vice versa and you can um, you can start creating the kind of textures that perhaps a keyboard player might do you know so right from the beginning we're, uh, dynamics is another thing that we always verbalized that we talked about the idea of having a band that had musical dynamics or make a, an audience sit up and pay attention you know I mean a lot of rock songs they just plow along at the same tempo at the same volume and a lot of records, you know, they're so overly compressed these days. Um, they don't really, the, the arrangements don't really interest you that much. Whereas I think, you know, with our music, it's got highs, lows, peaks, troughs. It's got musical dynamics and melodic dynamics. And that comes into the composition or, you know, where you're, you're composing. And it comes into playing live. You know, we want to we wanna interest the audience. We don't want them to just had two hours of, you know, full tilt music. We want to take them in, you know, tell them a story, really. Nice. I agree. Um, let's talk about some of the songs on the album. Uh, let's start with the first single, We Stand As One. Um, in a really divided world, this song kind of feels like a call to arms, which is really nice. Uh, is that kind of what inspired you to write this one, or do you have a different take on this song? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we were witnessing all of the um, street protests around the world. I mean, there's a general feeling of dissatisfaction uh, with the populace in different countries and different continents. 
Um, and then, you know, then nature has been taken over. In 2019, we had the uh, horrendous forest fires in the Amazon caused by clear cutting. And that's what inspired the lyric because I was watching um, use items on the indigenous people there band, banding together, standing as one against the Bolsonaro government in Brazil. But then, of course, um, you had the fires in California. And then, you know, as we were wrapping up the album, Australia caught fire. 50%, 57% of the country was on fire. So that is just, um, you know, that was just really very shocking. And so now we've got, uh, we've got all these issues happening, which are directly affecting uh, the man in the street, man or woman in the street. So basically... Um, yeah, it's a call to arms, and it's. Uh, I'm surprised that more uh, writers, poets, and singers and songwriters are not speaking out a lot more about what's going on at the moment. Perhaps they will, you know, but certainly some of the ones that are known for it, the Bob Dylans, the uh, Bruce Springsteen's, you, you, you know, the Neil Youngs, you're not hearing much from them, really. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I do think that will that will come. And it's nice to see. It's nice to see this a song like this, you know, out in the world. And it was really great to hear live. This was the one song you did off the album when I saw you, and I thought it went over really well. So it did, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, people that they haven't heard it before, and they get it right from the beginning, you know. So that's been really rewarding for us, you know. Nice. Uh, another one I wanted to ask about was Drive. This is one of my favorites. It has kind of a futuristic vibe. Like I can't help but think of like. Tesla and Elon Musk, when I hear this song, you know, I don't drive my car, my car drives me. Can you talk a bit about this one? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's got a, a futuristic feel and also a retrospective feel, you know, like the um, the chorus, that uh, the idea for the chorus came from our drummer, Joe Crabtree, and he, he wanted a, a chord sequence, and we came up with this sequence that was more akin to a 50s doo-wop sequence in a way. So it, it, in the one hand, yeah, you've got this lyric, and you've got this idea of, um, you know, going out and uh, trying to make something happen in an evening and then sort of kind of almost resignedly getting into your car and just take me home, you know, I'm done with this situation. <laughs> and, you know, we've all been for test drives in Teslas and we know what's coming and we know what it's like to be in those kind of things. And there is that sort of, that kind of world that we live in, if you if you could afford it, perhaps you're more, you're more of an urban uh, dweller, you know, where you, you either have a self-driving car <laughs> coming soon or you or you jump in an Uber or, you know, you, you dial something up on your smartphone and it's a world that we're all, we're getting so used to this um, really easy way of living. And, uh, yeah, so it's, you're right. It is a, a, a look into the future and it, it's something that, uh, it's a feeling that we all get, you know, from these kind of devices, you know. Nice. My personal favorite on the album is Deja Vu. I think it's just a gorgeous ballad. I love the guitar playing on it. It's very much, you know, oh, thank you. gives me like it gives me like almost like a magical like mid like middle ages. I don't know if that's the right term. Vibe to it. Talk a bit about that one because I just think that's such a cool song on the album. Thank you. But well, there's a couple of um, songs on the album that harken back to musical uh, themes that we've explored in the past and. You know, we're kind of known for that English minor chord, almost folky progressions, you know, this kind of thing musically that go back to the 70s. 
So this one harkens back to that. You know, you know we have songs that um, get, you could relate it to other songs in our catalog. Uh, so yeah, it was so the entire chord sequence was came came uh, uh, courtesy of my son Ainsley, and um, he worked with us on quite a few of the songs. And um, again, that was also one of the pieces of music that we were considering for the solo album, but um, just decided to uh, give it a little bit more, pull out the medieval a little bit, pull out the, the Englishness, you know, and um, yeah, it, uh, it, it turned out to be a really nice piece of music. Awesome. Yeah, love that one. Um, I also love the eerie vibes and lyrics of Personal Halloween. I found the groove of that song very interesting because it's got a bit of a swing, almost like reggae to it. Can you talk about that one a little bit? Well, a lot of English bands don't swing much. <laughs> they play on the beat, and they, especially prog bands, you know. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the way that we, you know, swing comes from uh, this side of the Atlantic, really. And um, that song, to me, it almost has a, a, a swampy kind of, like, almost New Orleans vibe, in a way. Okay. I think that's what you, when you say about the reggae thing. <laughs> it's um, <clears throat> at one, on the one hand, bluesy, on the other hand, yeah, it's kind of a march in a way, but uh, that that specifically came from Mark on the guitar. It was a guitar line that he had, and um, we wanted to make sure that that guitar sound that he got on the record was up front and center. And then uh, I played some wailing stuff in the background with quite a retro sound in lead part. And um, yeah, just um, it, it, it's about being kind of being stalked on the internet. <laughs> and I'm sure we've all had these situations. being in a band, you use social media to promote yourself and um, you, you, you get a lot of friends on um, so-called quote-unquote friends. <laughs> but some of these people, they really do believe that you're, that, that you're their friend, their personal friend. And then one step further takes it to the personal Halloween because sometimes, you know, people, you know, they, they live lonely lives and they, they hook onto you and they, they think that you're going to be their saviour and all you're trying to do is promote a song or something or a gig. <laughs> And uh, it, it gets a bit weird, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you were speaking to those people face to face, they would understand by virtue of your expressions and your body language that, you know, I'm not your buddy. I'm just, you know, an entertainer, you know. Yeah. But um, this is the world that we live in now, you know. And I think this is why some of the um, the worst types of politicians that we have now are feeding off this uh, aspect of social media, and they're using it to con people, you know. And we don't want to connect anyone with our, our posting, but we're, we're very careful that we try not to encourage people to, to, to assume the wrong thing from what we're doing, you know. We're, we're, we're self-promoting. But, yeah, it was an actual real experience that promoted the lyrics, and the song came out really well. We used horn section on that song, which is something we've done very sparingly in the past, but it was a lot of fun to add that production element to the song. It's really cool to hear that that song has that you know deep like you know undercurrent to it it's also yeah like we do live in a world i agree where unfortunately people yeah, feel I mean, entitled you know, to the, you the, the best kind sorry the best kind of songs are ones that come very naturally you know yeah. um and also they come from real experiences so that one most definitely fits the bill both musically and lyrically awesome 
One thing you alluded to is you mentioned you've done some live albums the past few years, and I I real I found out recently they're under this series called Roadworks because I was fortunate enough to win a few uh, at the show and you guys signed them for me, which I really appreciate. And I started looking into them, and it seemed like a really cool thing. So talk a little bit about the Roadworks albums and like the enjoyment you get out of doing those. Well, you know, like a lot of the uh, the bands that spend a lot of time on the road, we have a lot of tape heads uh, that like to record our music live. So we just thought of giving them a slightly better, polished version of what they would probably be doing anyway. <laughs> and so we would produce uh, low-budget live recordings that they could have and um, make a collection of. And um, it's become something of a series now, you know. And um, we've done them all over the world. And, um, yeah, so we, we, we titled the series Roadworks, and uh, people like to collect them, and they like to share them, and they like to talk about them. And, yeah, because no two Wishbone Ash gigs are the same, we hope. You know, we like to you know change things around a little bit with the set. We improvise, and, you know, some, some nights we're, we're a bit more aggressive. Sometimes we're more laid back. Sometimes we're playing in a club. Sometimes we're playing in a big uh, theater, you know. So you get a very different experience, you know, depending on the show that you come to. And people like to share those recordings. So that's what prompted that. Nice. That's very cool. I think, I think it's been about, been about six of them, I think, so far. Yep, there's six. And here's hoping for a seventh. <laughs> um, you, you, as you also alluded to, uh, you said you've done a lot of touring, and I feel like I need to bring this up. You know, we've all seen the news. You guys go to various countries, and there's this coronavirus scare going on right now, and all I see left and right is bands canceling their overseas tour. Like, even this morning, like, I logged onto Facebook, Jethro Tull canceled their tour. Do you think touring is going to be a little more difficult for the foreseeable future? Uh, well, we're talking about it all the time. You know, like everyone else, we're watching the news. And it's all unfolding on a daily basis. Uh, we're scheduled to go on a rock cruise very shortly. We are going, last year we went to something like 18 countries. So was that a tour over here they canceled? That uh, was a tour, uh, I believe, in Italy. Oh, Italy, yeah. Well, the entire country of Italy is lo on lockdown now. Yeah. So I think that, um, you know, our, our, our plans, Maybe for, we may be forced to change some of our plans in the upcoming two or three months, and we're just waiting to hear. Really, we're we're trying not to panic. We're trying not to um, initiate anything ourselves because we're assuming that people with a greater knowledge of it all will uh, be able to tell us what's happening. But you know, I I think every day there's new there's news. I think by the end of the week we may very firmly be in a situation where we think to ourselves well we might not be wanting to uh travel so much you know we should be really sad but you got to be cautious you've got to be prudent you know this is a big deal absolutely um well i don't want to end the interview on that note i do want to end the interview on, no. on a very uh positive note so you've been touring for no. over 50 years and i'm sure you've had many different gigs many different things happen on the road do you have any funny road stories and would you like to share one of your favorites <laughs> Oh boy! Well, you know, it's half a century of touring. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one of the, the amazing things to me is the this, the generation that I'm from, which is basically baby boomers. Uh, I was born in 1950. So that makes me very old, but 
we we haven't we've been able to enjoy this lifestyle, this rock and roll lifestyle for this length of time, all these decades. No, no, no domestic wars. No, there's been a few upsets, but when you think about it, the music has pretty much dominated the culture up until quite recently. So that that blows my mind. But yeah, getting back to funny stories, of course we've got many of them. You know, um, you know, there's things like, uh, for example. You know, we would tour. We, we did a tour a couple of years ago. and we went to a, a town in Germany called Freudenberg, and the crew, <laughs> uh, our road crew, was scheduled to go to the same town. Except that we found out there's about three Freudenbergs in Germany, and they oh, went to no. one that was about 200 miles away. <laughs> we had somehow, put, you know, those kind of funny things, you know, that, that can occur. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, there's so many events like that that happen all the way. So the most part we're a pretty professional outfit we we know exactly what we're doing often months before we get go out and do it you know but um yeah i guess that's one that just came to my mind right right there and then but uh there are many others of course yeah that's <laughs> that's funny that's definitely a, a spinal tap moment for sure that's great. oh yeah lots of spinal tap moments i mean many times we'll be backstage and it's totally spinal tap you because you know you're, you're playing a different venue every night you don't know where oh, yeah. the stage door is or where the exit you don't even know which part of the state you're in a lot of times you know <laughs> uh, and I'll, I'll go to speak on stage and say oh it's great to be here in uh you know then i'll forget the town that we're in because <laughs> you're, you're working at just a crazy speed you know all the time so um people find that very odd they think you're an eccentric or you, you you've got some mental deficiency but when you um, think about the amount of information that's coming at you on an hourly basis when you're on tour, it's uh, it's, it's crazy. You can't be you can't be uh, tuned in to every aspect of it. You're concentrating on so many things, and uh, you might even forget which town you're actually in. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, Andy, I really appreciate you doing this, taking the time out of your day to talk to me. Um, it's it's been great having you on. Um, the album is Coat of Arms by Wishbone Ash. Everybody, go check it out. It's on Steamhammer. You can get it on Amazon. Or wishboneash.com. Do you have anything you'd like to kind of close out with? Well, no, it's just, you know, I'm very proud of the album. I think it's fantastic that um, this band has uh, been together as long as it has this lineup. I mean, there have been about 28 people through the ranks <laughs> of this band. And personally speaking, I just think it's great to uh, to welcome Mark onto uh, the recording side of it. And, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to just touring as much as possible, you know, with the current situation, um, notwithstanding, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm very proud of the album. It's gone into the German charts. It's gone into a lot of uh, European charts. Um, about 10 days ago, it was on really high up on the pre-orders list. But now it's actually gone into the charts. Uh, I think one one point it was 22 in the German charts right now. Uh, in, in the UK, it's getting multiple airplays on uh, radio. And we hope to see a similar thing happen here. So very, very happy about it, you know. Awesome. That makes me glad to hear. Well, I hope you come around again. And who knows, I hope we get to talk about the next one. Um, thanks again, Andy. Uh, Till next time, uh, cheers. Cheers. Many, many thanks, Alex. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.